Welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Every week, I host live chats via our YouTube channel with leaders in the AFL and high-performance industries. Join me live every Sunday at 6pm where I debrief the recent chats and announce the upcoming guests. We drop an inspiring and educational episode every Monday. If you like the show, please follow us on your favourite podcast app. Hi, I'm your host, Jack McLean, and today my guest is Sean Baker, the founder of Peak Performance. Sean is a strength and conditioning coach with over a decade in the industry. Holding a master's degree and level two ASCO accreditation, he's worked with elite, semi-elite and grassroots athletes. Australian rules football is his primary sport. Highlights from this episode, we discuss the importance of having a mentor early in your strength and conditioning career. The key 10 movement patterns to any successful long-term athletic development program. Why developing a funnel process is critical for coaches to looking to develop while avoiding feeling overwhelmed. And Sean's experience in the industry, both in elite sport and private sector, providing tips on how to succeed in both. People mentioned Lachlan Wilmot, Christian Woodford, Tim Schleiger, Darren McInnes, Chris Perkin, Nick Pulos, Jason Porpleasia, Tex Wanganeen, Dean Bailey, Danny Kruger Effect, Trent Burgoyne, Will Snelling, Brett Johns, Ad- Adrian Setri, Ian McKeown, and Nick Richardson. Before we start this episode, for those SNCs wanting to learn how to create an online coaching business and work in elite sport, then our academy is for you. This is a new membership platform that we're releasing later on in the year, and we're going to have a pilot testing phase where members will get three months free on the membership. All you need to do is to join our waitlist. To join the waitlist, click the link in the show notes. Let's get into today's episode with Sean Baker. Welcome, Sean. Thanks for jumping on, mate. Second time. Jack, hi, mate. Thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm pumped and, and ready to go and one-on-one, mate. I'm uh, feeling pretty special. We're ready. I know. The 10-minute bite size just didn't do your set. <laughs> to get you back on. <laughs> but no, it was, uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed it, mate, and I credit you for putting that all together. And, you know, uh, great to hear from, you know, low-minded coaches around Australia and, and particularly a couple of guys there that I hadn't really heard of before potentially, uh, you know, or, or had a bit of an inkling of but didn't really have a, a true sort of, um, you know, in-depth understanding about what they were about. So to get to know those guys a bit more has been fantastic. So, you know, you've helped to develop those connections, mate, and we appreciate what you're doing. Yeah, it was I found the same way. Um, yeah, thanks, mate. I, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed it being a, an S&C nuffy. <laughs> but it was, it was interesting. Like you have your, you know, your Woodfords and Lockie Wilmots, the guys in our sort of generation that uh, have, you know, hit, grown within this social media stream. And then you've got, you know, Tim Schleiger, Darren McInnes, Chris Bergen, who, who, you know, before social media setting where uh, doing big things, great things, but it was before that time. So it was interesting to share uh, similarities across the different uh, experiences amongst the group and, and what works and, and some learnings as well for the group. So for those that are listening in the podcast world, that if you missed that, uh, we, do, we are releasing the episodes on the Bite Size every Friday, but also you can watch the full uh, presentation, which I would recommend on, on YouTube. Um, take us back to the beginning of your career, Sean. At what age did you discover you had a passion for strength and conditioning and, and also working with athletes? Yeah, admittedly, to be honest with you, I fell into it, mate. So, um, you know, I was always passionate about playing footy. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's probably a lot of uh, scenarios out there where there's strength conditioning coaches that maybe had a crack themselves and didn't quite make it. I like to call myself a bit of a preseason specialist. So, uh, you know, I would love the running and, you know, uh, the strength work that was conducted, um, you know, throughout the, 
the preseason and, and would probably that would be my time to shine. But when it came to time to find that magical red pill on the weekend, maybe I wasn't quite as successful as some of the other guys, uh, you know, uh, in my team. So uh, I went to uni to sort of study. Well, look, I applied for the double degree uh, in human movement and teaching, sort of thing. I was going to be a PE teacher again, probably another flooded market. Uh, I only got the TR for uh, you know exercise science itself, and when I got into the second year of um, our degree opportunities came out to get involved or at least apply for one of a number of internships. So there was, uh, you know, Port Adelaide Crows, I think Adelaide United. So I just chucked my hand in the ring and was fortunate enough to sort of, um, you know, nab one of the spots at the Crows. So 2011, 2012, I did an internship under um, Nick Paulos, particularly in the strength power program. Uh, Nick that year, I think it was that year, he might be one like ASCA coach of the year. So super, super smart guy. It was his first year in AFL. He's got a, you know, a background pretty heavily in rugby. I think rugby sevens in particular had been involved in. Um, and you know, one of the most valuable experiences of my career, I think. I mean, I was pretty fortunate to have that reality show pretty, pretty quickly. You know, it's not all sort of glamorous and uh, you know, it's not just simply spending time in the gym with the boys all day. There's a lot more to it. And um, you know, he let me know about that pretty, pretty quickly. Uh, and you know, he gave me a great scope and helped me to shape who I am today. Uh, once that was finished up, we had the opportunity to either stay there and do an honours or, or move on um, and, and do a master's degree and potentially sort of maybe get a few other experiences. I felt like at the time, uh, honours was just going to be probably you know, another maybe year or so of some you know, free research. So I decided to go the master's by content through Edith Cowan University. And at the same time, just sent my resume around to every sample club um, available. Uh, only one uh, out of the 10 got back to me. Um, Woodworth Science Footy Club. So, you know, I went out there and assisted their program for a little while. And that sort of, in a sense, was where Peak, uh, you know, was born. So when I did go out there, and, and I'm, I'm sure it's probably the same in the VFL, for example. I, I don't really know the logistics, but in sample S&C, there's, there's little to no money really involved. And particularly at the time that I sort of got involved, I was a little bit late to the party. Um, you know, there was nothing to financially offer. They said, we'd love to have you around. But, you know, as a bit of a trade-off, did you want to do some, you know, private work out of our gym here? Feel free to bring people through and, uh, and you can use it for free. So that was, that was sort of the, the, um, uh, the agreement that we came to. So I, was, I would do that on the side, you know, throughout the day and early mornings. And then in the hour, those that will be dedicated to help, helping the sample squad. Um, at the end of 2014, an opportunity came along to take over, you know, uh, the West Adelaide Footy uh, Club program, which is you know a rival to Woodburst Torrance. Uh, so I took over their senior program, and um, we we're fortunate enough to to win the first league premiership in, in 32 years. So that was oh. sort of pre- yeah, pretty special. And uh, um, the difference, mate. Nah, look, you know, <laughs> as as you would know, uh, there are many pieces that need to come together to to sort of to uh, you know, elicit performance. Um, I think you know, I was fairly lucky that we had a few ex-AFL guys coming back towards the end of their career. So guys like Jason Paul Pleasure had just been delisted from the Crows. Ryan Willits, who, who had had some you know, experience at the power. Chris Schmidt, who'd been on an AFL list. They were all sort of getting towards the end of their careers and coming back. Um, you know, just everything sort of seemed to come together you know, at that one instance and um, yeah, with some, some great success. And don't get me wrong, you know, that also that year we had some great juniors coming up. Um, I think that same year we had seven athletes get drafted. So, 
know, we're talking about Will, Will Snelling, uh, Riley Bonner, Aaron Francis, Tom Keogh, John O'Beach. You know, so we, we sort of got decimated a little bit and went from winning the flag one year to, you know, to struggling the next. So we probably, I was fortunate enough to sort of see both ends of the spectrum. Um, from there, you know, a couple of opportunities came up just through word of mouth. Uh, did some work with the Downing Cricket Academy, so I got to travel overseas a few times to to India to work with some of their state level athletes over there. Um, sort of circled back around to the Port Adelaide Footy Club, where we worked with father son and um, next generation academy athletes. And same again, starting to see some you know great talent come out of that. So when you know we're working with the fourteen year old, you know Jackson Meads and Tex Wanganeens that are that are coming through now, Marty Fredericks, um, those sorts of guys, that, and Trent Burgoynes. So it was cool, like you know, a nice little experience to give them their first little introduction to long-term athletic development. Uh, and at the end of 2018, you know, along this journey, you know, we're talking about some really cool things that happened. All of it was still part-time and all of it was still, you know, very lowly paid. So all of it was still subsidized by me doing private stuff on the side. You know, for the most part, I was doing it out of the facilities that I worked for. Um, when I end up going to the power, obviously, you sort of can't, you know, bring you know, you had general public sort of through their facility. So I was just contracting out of a gym down the road. We sort of got to a bit of a fork in the road at the end of 2018. I was almost feeling like, you know, I've done this for you know, a while now. I feel like there's limited opportunities for me to, to grow and, and progress. Maybe we decided to take this, you know, this private side of things a bit more seriously. So we decided to jump in the deep end and, and that's sort of where, where Peak really was born. So I was fortunate enough to have developed a bit of a, you know, a bit of a following in that private sector for a few years prior to opening the facility. So it wasn't just out of you know, nowhere. And then that in turn has led to, you know, connections with Crows AFLW and now Australian lacrosse as well. So, yeah, it's been a really cool journey, mate. Had a lot of luck along the way. Um, you know, feel very fortunate to be surrounded by lots of good people. And I guess it's just a matter of, and, you know, I, I think like you, like you do, just continue to put yourself out there um, continue to, to network as many coaches with, as possible and, and always try to put your best foot forward because, you know, good reputation travel fast and, and bad ones travel faster. So you've always got to make sure you don't get complacent. Sorry yeah. if I ran wrong a little bit there. No, no, it's good. I, I, I love that story. Like you said at the start, um, typical S&C, someone who loves sport, loves, loves the training side even more. Uh, early days wanted to be a PE teacher. I think you ticked every box of, of standard <laughs> S and C, mate. That's that's awesome. Absolutely. Um, Is it like talking to the same person or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you found your tribe, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> but when when take us back to that stage where you're doing the internship, Nick Paulos, um, and you're sort of carving your way for for those S and Cs that are at that stage of their career. You mentioned that he gave you some you know some open and honest sort of expectations about the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, how important is it to see an environment like that early on in your career, do you think? I'm super grateful for it. And, and I guess I have that hindsight now, particularly because I do see a lot of um, you know, new grads or students coming through that maybe have a little bit of a warped sense of what the industry truly is, whether they think it is you know, going to be all roses or potentially that they believe they're going to walk out of a degree straight into a full-time role. Um, you know, having that experience prior to graduating, I think, was invaluable. And and I'd be a very different person today, I think, if I didn't have him there to sort of give me a reality check. Um, I was talking actually on another um, you know, local podcast today, actually, and you know, they, they said to me, what was going through your head you know, the first day that you crack into this internship and you, you start to see guys that you've been watching on TV for ages and uh, you know, pot- you know, potentially some, some reasonably big names? And 
I think for myself, one of the biggest realizations early was just just probably being a little more professional and, and understanding that that coach to athlete relationship. So I find, and you know, I think naturally for myself, a bit of a coping mechanism really is that, um, you know, when when I come into an environment and potentially where I maybe am not as confident or uh, I'm trying to establish myself or maybe just don't know guys' names, you know, I'll go in there and go, what's going on, legend? How are you, big fella? What's happening, mate? You know, is the sort of, you know, terms and, and, and the language I would use. Uh, and, you know, in a lot of senses, that, that's fine. Uh, but Nick sort of pulled me in pretty quickly in the first week and said, you know, guys like Dean, Dean Bailey, he's not your mate. He's not a legend. He's not a big fella. Man, you call him Dean and you refer to him by that name, you know. You are yeah, nobody, you know, like yeah, to an extent. Not, not, yeah, it was, I did cover a couple of little whacks um, about professionalism. And, uh, you know, at the time I thought, Jesus, this is, this is a bit rough. But, but I'm yeah. very grateful for that, you know, in, in the long term. You know, I look back now and think, mate, I was just a, a spud student who was a bit excited. You know, probably, they've probably seen it a million times before with every intern that comes through. But, yeah, certainly, um, you know, uh, very glad that I had that experience for sure. Even though at the time I was thinking, I'm a bit hard done by <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to build a vibe here. Absolutely, exactly. <laughs> oh, no, I love it, mate. That's um, yeah. That's thanks for being open and, and honest and and sharing that. I think it is invaluable uh, for S and Cs to yeah, you know, have that moment where you sort of recognise, oh, okay, how, how am I going to fit in this environment? What's yeah, like you mentioned, everyone's a bit different in in how they um, you know carry themselves in new environments. So being aware of that and you can, you only can build that awareness by getting feedback, which is good that you had a mentor and Nick to, to give you that feedback, to build that awareness. Um, and you know, for, for like how you said at the time, you didn't feel like it was helping you, but in hindsight, you now that you're a mentor to other coaches, you can tell what he was doing. Um, had for, for, for young, um, coaches that are going through maybe a mentor that is being tough on them or it might be, someone else in their industry, but they, they are, you know, they don't care for them and it's with their best interest. What did, what is the best way to sort of try and handle that feedback? Is it, are you a note taker? Do you absorb it? Um, you know, have, have some ways that if you sort of use them, make the most of mentors. Yeah. Now that's a, a good question. I think, yeah, certainly, certainly take that feedback on board, no matter how harsh you do think that it might be at the time. And, and yeah, I think that's a good idea. God, I, didn't do that, but I can see the value in, for example, taking notes and sitting down and reflecting on it. I think it's good to to get your thoughts out on paper and have it sitting there in front of your face. And um, I think probably just one of the big thing things would be try to critically evaluate the reason why you think maybe they're giving you that feedback. You know, is this for uh, or is this with my best intentions in mind? And and most circumstances, it, it is. I don't think there's many people out there, you know, at this stage that would be doing it just to you know, for tall poppy syndrome to try to knock people down. I'm sure, you know, that there's, a, that there's some sort of outcome that they're trying to elicit out of providing that feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, potentially if, if you think that it, it is uh, too harsh or you don't think that, that, um, that you deserve that, potentially, you know, talk to other people about that in, in, a, in another critical sense and be able to uh, see, you know, what, what their ideas are, maybe some, some mixed um, experiences within the industry as well. Reach out to your networks and say, you know, this is a scenario that was in. This is the feedback that I got. You know, do you do you think this is correct as well? But I think in most circumstances, you know, there hasn't been too many times that I can reflect on now and think, you know, this bloke was giving me feedback just to be a prick. You know, there there was always yeah. some underlying message behind it, and 
Um, and, you know, the, the more and more that we get entrenched in the industry, the more and more that you sort of find yourself potentially in some sort of way providing that, that same sort of feedback to those coming through as well. You know, I've, I've certainly had many times where um, I've talked to, to guys and just had to think more, just give them a bit of a reality check as to, as to where they sit in the industry. Um, and, you, you know, like trying to do that in a really constructive manner. Um, I certainly don't try to, um, you know, berate those coming through. But we, we have instances, and I would have been the same, where there's, there's guys that maybe, um, you know, still studying, for example, that, that maybe have had some experience and some success in the private industry, for example, which is certainly very different to the pro sector where you're, you're you know, observed under a microscope a lot, a lot more closely. Uh, and they potentially get a bit of a warped sense of where they may sit and, and, you know, how good their ability is, you know, that they all of a sudden think that they can't do anything wrong, that their programming is perfect and, you know, they might have found one principle that they really abide by and, and, and that's what they stick to. So just saying, you know, look, um, here's a million other things that potentially that you would be judged by if you had a contract with a professional club. Just mm-hmm. remember that, you know, um, You've had experience in this area, but maybe you're lacking experiences in all these other areas as well. And I always refer back to that Dunning-Kruger effect. I'm sure you've probably used that, that graph a few times where, you know, you've got the graph of, you know, uh, knowledge versus time. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, <laughs> and as soon as you get out of uni, your knowledge is right up here. But the more and more you do, you just realize that, that uh, uh, or actually, oh, my God, I'm a fair way off the pace. And, and actually, the more you surround yourself with really knowledgeable coaches, the further off the pace that you realize you are. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll have to mention because I'm, I'm, uh, I'm down here somewhere. I think yeah, I'm with you, mate. Um, it, it's a long journey. Uh, Brett, Brett Johns and uh, Fee Nagan uh, are commenting on the chat. So Brett's, oh, um, yeah. these are yeah, uh, <laughs> your mates. Any bet? Any better than Sets and Bretts? That's when I think you're talking about footy. Um, yeah. So I need to I need to give a big shout out to those guys. They're um, they're old Port Adelaide legends. So. Uh, so that, I guess where you know, I started my journey is transitioning from a, being a spud player to getting stuck in the industry was at the Port Magpies Football Club. So essentially, um, you know, probably I think, look, I can't remember when I was there, whether it had just happened or whether it was in the process of um, you know, the, the Magpies and the power amalgamating. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not too sure how much of that you're over, sort of over in, uh, in Vic, but you know, that, that sort of happened. But, um, I heard it's a super successful club. Yeah, absolutely. So I think 36 premierships or 37 premierships and they had a, a bit of a golden era, you know, through the 80s and early 90s, uh, particularly probably just before um, I sort of really followed it. But um, Adrian Setri, uh, he is a bit of a club legend there, you know, a, a multiple premiership player and really heavily involved in, you know, boxing and had a passion for this transitioning work. And uh, one of his very good friends, uh, Brett Johns, who's an Australian uh, record holder, powerlifter, um, you know, they were doing a lot of work with the pies uh, in both those areas, and they sort of took me under their wings, uh, you know, um, early on in the piece, and and I learned, you know, a massive amount from there. And and it's funny, you know, they and they're completely honest in saying, you know, don't didn't necessarily that they have you know exercise science degrees and all those sorts of things, but essentially, you know, they they uh, just have a, a a great deal of experience under their belt, mm. um, and. A lot of the philosophies that they, you know, that they were pushing, essentially in some sort of, you know, context, are still applicable um, in today's SNC as well. So um, probably that they will be laughing about. And look, I can't see his comments, but probably the biggest thing that they ever taught me is when I was a, 
young, I reckon, 17 or 18-year-old. I think I rocked up to one gym session. And look, I'm so sorry to say this, but rocked up to a gym session with a set of gloves on and they absolutely berated me. I got absolutely <laughs> taken out of me. And I can promise you I never did that ever again in my entire life. And uh, What are you sure? To the classic shoes? Absolutely. You know it. You know it. So, uh, so that, they, they will, um, yeah, they'll take a lot of credit for that for sure. But no, great guys, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Valuable lessons, eh? Absolutely. Um, and, and the other side of, that I took from that that I think is invaluable for what you're doing now, uh, and you mentioned how you developed you develop that, you know, in hindsight, you were developing an audience, whether you knew it or not. And when you opened up that gym, it, it allowed you to really flourish. So throughout this, the time of, of getting your strength and conditioning experience across different sports, mainly AFL um, and cricket as well, but you're you're also developing your business skills and, you know, not working uh, outside the industry, but actually honing your, your coaching by uh, running a personal training business, uh, whether mm. it was with football clubs or um, renting a space at a gym. Uh, for, for those coaches that are working in sport and they're strength and industry coaches, but they haven't built that or they haven't taken that plunge, I guess, of running their own business and they're, they're making ends meet in another industry. Um, but they want to take that plunge. Uh, at what would be your advice for yeah, renting a gym or running a PT business? Yeah, look, I think the the first thing is, and probably one that again is another common one that we come across is, I probably started the majority of the clientele that I was working with. Admittedly, was you know some of the the players' partners. To be honest with you, that you know just wanted to simply tone up. A couple of them had you know some little sort of sporting goals, triathlons and things like that as well. But really, I was at a stage in my, in my life where to, to make ends meet, I just had to say yes to everybody and anybody. So I couldn't really be selective in, in um, you know, who I trained with and, and met some amazing people and actually you know, found that uh, received a lot of gratitude for, for working with, with, with all sorts of people as opposed to you know, just sort of ex- exclusively saying athletes. Um, and in saying that as well, tried to, treat every opportunity, even though you know, whether you're working with a general punter or somebody who wants to you know, get better for Div 5, you know, church, netball and weekend, try to use every hour that you have with those people as an opportunity to sharpen the tools up. So, you know, if I'm working with Jane, who's the mum of Johnny, who's a sample player, and, you know, he said, oh, look, my SSC coach is doing some PT sessions down there. Can, can, can you get down and support him? You know, how can you add some form, you know, movement assessment to Jane? Can you potentially in your movement prep, you know, add in maybe like a little marching drill or, you know, a little A skip just to get her moving so you're starting to you know, hone in on the skills or looking at how people move? Um, how can you start to still, you know, in our last podcast we talked about developing the Big Ten, you know, how can we hit as many of those, you know, foundational movement bands? Can we still get Jane, you know, the, the mum of 35-year-old mum, can we get it squatting properly, hinging properly, lunging properly, you know, pushing, pulling in, in vertical and horizontal re- directions, brace, and rotating really well? You know, if you can do that with somebody who maybe doesn't have a great deal of competence in their movement, then it's going to be easy once you get to somebody who's a, who's a footballer. So if you are just starting out, don't be selective. You know, just grab onto anybody who's willing to pay you money to come and train uh, and just imagine that they're you know, training for some sort of sport or, you know, imagine that it's another opportunity to hone in those skills. And then from there, you know, the, the busier that you get, that usually become, that comes from, you know, word of mouth from those people. 
it comes from you developing content from you know recording those people and saying, look, Jane couldn't squat 30 kilos when we first started, but look at how she's squatting 45 now. Like this could be you, you know, or all those sorts of things. So it, it just sort of ends up being a bit of a snowballing effect. People want to generally go to people that look busier as well. It's just you know, a funny um, mentality we have as just as human beings. And then it's when you fill up your schedule, then you can start to hone in and, and be a bit more selective and then say, okay, look, if Jane wants to keep training, um, you know, maybe it's a more premium price or potentially um, you, know, you, you take a little trainer underneath you and you, you know, here's your opportunity now, Steve-O, to have a crack and work on your skills. I'll, I'll take a little percentage of that, of that as well. So it's just, you know, take on as much as you can and, and always use it as an opportunity to learn and grow. And that's how, you know, that, that word of mouth and that social media will grow as well. So um, I think that's, you know, there's, there's no better promotion than, than, you know, getting your hands dirty in the industry. Um, and now, you know, fortunate enough to, to be reasonably selective with, with who we do work with. Um, and, you know, every, everybody that doesn't quite fit into that category, um, you know, can uh, jump in with, with one of the other amazing coaches that we do have as well. Yeah, I love that, man. That's really sound advice. Um, whether you, you know you're trying to be the best coach that you can be, like you said, coaching is coaching. Whether you're coaching an Olympic athlete mm-hmm. or you're coaching a, a mum, you've got it. They've all got different movement competencies, and you still should go through your screenings and be as professional as you can, and go through your processes um, from movement and uh, don't disregard uh, anyone. I think that's a great message. Um, but then also the business progressions as well. By doing a good job, getting results, it's gonna. Uh, pay back later on for the future of your business. Uh, and it's probably something that you've touched on. I know I felt that we don't really know where we're going with our career, we, mm-hmm. but if you just keep doing a good job, um, things start to fall into place uh, like they have with yourself. So um, thanks for sharing your attitude, mate. It, it's obviously yeah. good, you know, success leaves clues. Uh, and I think that's it's a good uh, notion for, for S&Cs to get as much experience as you can, like you said, early, and, and it starts to build momentum. And I'm no. not just saying this to sort of blow wind up your ass. You know, people probably look at Jack. You know, I know certainly. Um, I've talked to a few people recently when we talked about you know when when we come onto your podcast and they go far far out. You know, Jack is really like sort of exploded onto the scene in you know the last few months. Far out. What's he doing? You know, but but it's it's you who have created that. You know, it's your it's your it's the the fruits of your hard work and the fruits of you know, putting yourself out there and the fruits of you contacting people and getting involved and, you know, making those strong connections as well. So, um, you know, I would never look at somebody like you and say, Jesus, he's lucky. You know, you, you've, you've created it yourself, mate, as well. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's definitely, um, like you said, if you, if you put in the work and, you, and you're passionate about it, which I think, uh, you know, everyone who ends up staying in this industry for a long time, they have to have passion uh, and, they, and they have to have work hard. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying this episode with Sean Baker. We're just going to take a quick break to hear a snippet of our interview with Selwyn Griffith, the current high performance manager of the Melbourne Football Club. And you mentioned um, working on like your reconditioning phase and, and focusing on performance rather than rehab uh, and how that was quite impactful at the Brisbane Lions. For those, whether it be developing footballers that may have just had an injury and are currently in rehabilitation. What, what are some things you've seen over time that are trends when rehab doesn't go well um, that you try and make sure that athletes understand early days when, when they're in rehabilitation or re- re- reconditioning yeah. phase? I think where possible, it's uh, getting 
the athlete to start early. And, um, and that may, you know, if we're talking about soft tissue injuries that can tend to be quite early, it can be day one post injury, but, um, you know, it's understanding that movement is medicine and, uh, and the athlete will get lots of confidence out of being able to, to move and move early. And so where possible trying to, to have that as, as one of your key philosophies, I think is important. And that even goes for possibly uh, bone injuries and tendon injuries as well. There is always something you can do. So focus on, on what the athlete can do and whether that's from a cross-training perspective, a, a strength perspective, it's really important for, for their psychological um, motivation as well. And I think that's the area that I would say um, I've developed the most in in the last five years is managing the psychosocial environment around the athlete. To hear more from Selwyn Griffith, make sure to scroll to episode 38 on the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Now back to the rest of our episode with Sean Baker. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy. You, you mentioned, we'll go back to that notion as well, how um, your you know, full-time work isn't uh, that often in the industry. Did you deliberately move different sports like you're now at, at, in lacrosse? So, you know, field-based sports, team-based sports, obviously you've stuck with those themes, but You've got some good experiences with with different um, different sports under your belt over the last decade. Is that been an intention of yours, or is that something that's sort of just come on uh, organically? Yeah. yeah, good question. I think it's something that actually has just sort of naturally occurred. I know there's certainly when I did have and you know I've I've sat and been um, turned down from you know, a thousand interviews. I'm sure you know, and and always had those the instances where um, you get told that there's people with more experience or people with more diverse experience with you or you just missed out. And um, One of the things that I did get pigeonholed with a bit earlier on in my career is that, that my experience wasn't vast enough, which I, you know, I completely agree with, you know, for the first part, you know, internship with the Crows and then Centre of Excellence and, and a system work with Wood, Woodville and then running the, you know, the footy program at West Adelaide. It was just like you know, six years of, of football, for example, and didn't really have much else to show. The cricket opportunity simply came you know, through a call uh, and uh, and a referral. So uh, the guy that had the position prior to me had just moved to India to work in the IPL. Um, he was also a physio. He was sort of like a bit of a combined physio SNC at the time. Uh, and they were looking to bring a bit more of a, you know, they, they called it at the time, you know, a football ideology to their cricketing program just because, um, you know, traditionally cricketers uh, had got away a little bit with with being quite skill-based athletes. Um, yep. With you know, with more and more forms of the game becoming available, available, and those forms being shorter and sharper and more explosive, you know, the the focus for SNC had really ramped up. So, you know, that was just a fortunate word of mouth call. The lacrosse stuff was pretty cool. That was exciting. When we first opened peak, you know, we we had the vision. Our our motto is closing the gap between local and elite. Yep. We always just thought that would be taking you know those pro football. Um, methodologies and principles and applying them and adapting them to you know, your, your weekend warriors. What we started to find that something that we didn't actually sort of anticipate is that there were lots of elite athletes from lowly funded sports coming to, coming to sort of search, seek us out. So, you know, we, I know it sounds funny. So we had you know, a chunk of Australian lacrosse athletes, but prior just been going to like a, a group training studio, so like, you know, an F45 sort of setup. Um, but they wanted to train you know, and be treated as they were elite athletes, even though they had to self-fund everything. Same with you know, Ultimate Frisbee. And, and you know, I know when I, certainly, when I first heard about that, you know, 
most people sort of, you know, snigger a little bit. Oh, ultimate Frisbee, that's cool, but probably don't respect. You know, these dudes, you know, take themselves seriously and they're representing the country and they're pretty athletic units and they train really hard. Um, we've got some, you know, some women that play roller derby as well. So all these sort of unique sports that are lowly funded, but people at the top of their game, even for, for example, this might not make as much sense to you, but in South Australia, like uh, rugby, both league and union is, is really small. You know, it's barely heard of. So, you know, some of the top South Australian rugby athletes were coming to us to say that they wanted to maybe potentially make the move to the Eastern States. So we started to, you know, mingle with all these people that, you know, were high end, but were still funded because there's just no money in their sport. Uh, I was talking to a few of the lacrosse girls and essentially what had been happening with the Australian program up until probably late 2019 was um, they had just hit up a, a coach from an American college. Obviously, lacrosse is massive in the US. There's, there's sort of daylight between them and most other countries. And they were just given a big PDF file, you know, with all their running and strength and conditioning drills on there. But there was a lot of issues with that. Um, first being, and, you know, like it sounds like a very simple, easy issue to, to transfer over, but, you know, athletes probably don't, you know, don't really want to spend that time and maybe don't always have the capacity to sit down and go through about all of the programming was written in yards and pounds. And, you know, right. at, at these athletes are like, well, I don't know what that means. I'm just not even going to give it a crack. Um, yeah. you know, and the, the foundations of the, you know, the exercise selection was really good, but some pretty complex stuff in there. So you know, there was some, some cleans and some hang snatches and the girls are saying, like, we've never done this before. I just don't know how to do it. So as opposed to you know, giving it a crack, they just weren't doing it at all. So completion rates were very low. Yep. The other thing that we were seeing is that we've got contingents of athletes in WA, South Australia, Victoria, uh, and then also over in the States as well. And by lumping them with that PDF program of conditioning, for example, Depending on which stage of the season and what their club commitments are like, you had athletes with loads that were all, all over the place. So in WA, they might be in season. So they got, you know, two, two, ga- two trainings in a game and then they were doing their PDF conditioning on top of whatever they were doing. In South Australia, they might, you know, they might have been one training session per week and then they were doing the PDF stuff and then playing. And in Victoria, they might have been on lockdown, for example. So they're not yeah. doing anything except for that. So all of a sudden, you, you've got some, some girls massively overtraining some that are bang on and some that are you know, massively under training and, and nothing in between. So they were finding a lot of issues with that. Uh, that led to an introduction to the head coach. And we had a bit of a chat about you know, ways that we would address those issues. Uh, one thing led to another. And we were fortunate enough to take over the, the women's program. Uh, and then probably after about three or four months, I think that the men's program, their ears perked up because they were doing something pretty similar and I'd seen a, a pretty – Sizable shift in in the you know in the the ideology and the completion rates and and just the language around the S and C stuff for the girls program and they organised a Zoom meeting and and all of a sudden we took on both programs so awesome. uh, yeah yeah so it's been you know it's been awesome they've, they've been a really gracious community to work with you know not having those opportunities before they're pretty um, you know receptive to to most things you say um, which is awesome and and. Again, this is by sheer luck. You talk, you know, talking about that chance is that when we first took them on board in early 2020, um, you know, there wasn't much going on with lacrosse, and in the scope of two years, they've just been recognised by the IOC to um, to be competing in the 2028 Olympic Games. So you've gone from like nothing to to a thousand pretty quickly. So I'll be heading over to Alabama in July with the crew to play in the World Games, which is the the um, the second biggest multi sports event on earth which is essentially sort of like the either 
those sports that are just on the cusp or maybe are in contention of making the Olympics as well. So you go over there, it's going to be like Muay Thai, lacrosse, American football, you know, all those sort of just on the edge games that aren't quite in the Olympics just yet. So really excited. Yeah. That's awesome, mate, and, and another great gem for, for coaches listening that there's nothing like good work to, to create future work. Um, so that's, yeah, like you mentioned, start, you, know, you get that foot in the door and then you do, you do your work and uh, it starts to pay dividends by go, starting with the women, then now working across with the men's as well. And I can imagine once you've got that momentum as well, the buy-ins um, just set from the men's from the get-go because they've wanted you, they've seen you to, to be at that club. So. Um, no, that's that's super exciting, mate, and and good timing both for yourself as well as Australian lacrosse. So bring on twenty eight. Yeah, absolutely. If, if they'll keep me around for that long, anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Long term athlete development, right? There. Yeah. Um, go going looking back over your career, and then we'll get into the business side of opening peak. But throughout this stage of, of strength and conditioning, um, is there a particular highlight of your career as an S and C that you look back on fondly? Yeah, that's a really uh, that's probably a hard question. I think uh, I think you know it's hard to go past those, those any of the championships you've been involved with, no matter what level. I think as we talked about before, probably the, the most special one from my point of view is the the sample premiership with the West Adelaide Footy Club. You know, being um, the first opportunity for me to take over the reins and truly feel like I was you know um, steering the ship. You know, for, from at least that aspect of the program, and um, in a sense. It's been a launching pad for a number of other opportunities that have that have sort of followed on from then. You know, it was because of that that the Darren Lee McCreed Academy called and, and you know, and then that's flowed into, you know, work at the power and things like that too. So look, there's been yeah, many highlights, but I would say probably that's probably one to 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 pinpoint it simply because I think it had such a great impact for sure. Yeah, oh, it's a massive achievement and it would have been um so rewarding to be a part of that after 30, 32 years. Uh, there, were, there were people just coming out of the woodworks you would never seen before. I think okay. uh, you know, we always joke, it's funny, because it, you know, and, and I, I love the club dearly and still follow them. And unfortunately, you know, in, in years since I've been away from the club, and again, this is certainly not, nothing to do with me. There's, there's a number of factors like we talked about in terms of you know, athletes being drafted and, and, and staff members moving on and all those sorts of things. That they've, they've struggled a little bit, but we always joke when we look back at it. I don't think that they were ready for us to win the flag. And I remember, you know, we were the big underdogs going into the grand final. Even, you know, it was a surprise that we'd even made it that far. Um, you know, all of a sudden you, you sort of fast forward into the game and we've, we've won it and you sort of get instructed to go back to the club. And when we went back there for, you know, a big dinner and a big, you know, feast and it was some of the worst food I've ever had in my life. Like it, it just didn't seem that they were prepared in any sense of the sloppiest schnitzels. I think there was a vegetarian there and they just literally heated up, heated up a bag of frozen veggies and chucked on a plate. You know, we never really cared because everybody was sinking the beers, sinking beers anyway and celebrating. But, uh, but yeah, no, it was, uh, it was uh, yeah, some fond memories of some, uh, some terrible food. And what about on the flip side, mate? What's uh, uh, the biggest challenge you've, you've faced and what did you learn from it? I think potentially, you know, I know I'll be completely open and honest, there's been two instances uh, in my career that, that have probably been the most challenging. So number one, and th- these are you know, both very similar uh, instances. Number one was um, with that work at, at, at The Power. And I talked about um, you know, us you know, not, not seeing any, or having the opportunity to, to grow and, and sort of op- opportunities drying up from a professional sense. Um, 
got to you know towards the end of 2018, I remember sitting to the talking to the high performance manager in McCown at the time. We've still got a really great relationship with, uh, but he just had you know, sat down and on his chat and said, you know, we've loved the work you've done. Um, you know, it's been an awesome experience for those you know, those junior athletes coming through, and we really can't fault you. But unfortunately, the soft cap is tightening up, and you know we don't really have uh, you know space for your role moving forward. We're going to condense it down and. And split your role between other, you know, uh, other professionals. It might be, you know, uh, uh, an op- option for you to, to start exploring, you know, other opportunities out there. So, you know, that was a bit gut wrenching, to be honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it probably would have been even, it would have been easier to swallow if I'd done something, you know, terribly wrong. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, uh, fast forward uh, again through the gym facility. We had a few of the Crows AFLW girls coming down uh, and doing their off season with us. That led to a connection to to the head coach and um, getting a call up one day to say that one of their staff members had moved on to GWS. Would I be willing to jump in? So I um, worked at the Crows FLW for eighteen months, which was an incredible experience, and they were wonderful people. We we got to midway through the twenty twenty season, and uh, you know COVID struck pretty badly. I know there was you know a, a time where we were sort of you know joking about it, and I remember we got on a plane to. So we flew to Tassie, for example, to, to play against the, the Roos and there was a family on there with masks. I'm like, come on, these, these guys are crazy. Like, what? Are, come on, it's not that bad. It's over in China. I'm like, seriously. And then, you know, fast forward to a fortnight later and we're playing in front of no crowd against GWS. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I'm starting to get serious now. And then fast forward another week and, and the club pulls everybody in and says, the season's done. We're finished. Um, so, oh, Jesus. So, then sort of, you know, do a, a heap of prep to sort of try to keep the girls working through and send them, you know, external programs and catch up with them out at parks and that sort of stuff. But then to be sat down again and said, look, you know, COVID's had a massive financial impact, you know, on, uh, uh, on all of sport, including, the, you know, the club. We're getting rid of, you know, a portion of our female-only staff and we're going to be passing back over to the, the men's program and, um, yeah, sort of. You, you've you've lost another, another opportunity, unfortunately. Same again. You know, for, for no touch wood. You know, not as far as I'm aware, and it, there never was made aware of any you know, wrongdoing. But um, unfortunately, just sort of the nature of the the beast in two situations there. Um, you know, financial issues impacting clubs, um, cutting off you know the fringe guys like myself uh, who who potentially were trying to you know, get the foot in the door to work their way up. So certainly two challenges. But again, you know. I'm a big believer in everything happening for a reason and still super grateful for, for the experiences we had at those clubs and certainly, you know, no bad feelings from my end and, and still am very close with, you know, the people that I had those conversations with, like, you know, like Maccas, like we said. Yep. Yep. Uh, thanks for sharing, mate. Really appreciate it. And uh, it wouldn't be an SNC that's been in the industry for 10 years. That, wouldn't, <laughs> that, that experience I, I can only imagine. Um, so I've, I've certainly been in that situation and it's definitely, like you said, if you did something wrong, it probably would be a little bit easier to swallow because at least there's a learning there where there's yeah. nothing more frustrating than where you put your heart and soul into something and it's out of your control. But um, I think it's a good message nonetheless to hear the things that work and then also just the nature of the beast of the industry as well, uh, particularly mm-hmm. now with COVID. So that probably moves is a good segue to business and opening up a space. Take us through when did the light bulb moment happen when peak uh, you know, when did you think of opening up a space? What was the situation? Yeah, it all happened really quickly, uh, and probably something that I haven't touched on too much is was during that time when I when I talked about you know when Mac has said explore some different options. 
I literally, I think, jumped on sportspeople.com or you know, the ASP website and was just you know, flicking my email out to every you know, situation uh, available. Uh, and there was a contact that we had sort of developed through um, some of that travel to India and so on and so forth. And I went through a few different processes and, and didn't quite get quite through. But one really um, you know, went, went right to the end to, to sort of getting it uh, happening. And, and again, with hindsight, it is a, is a beautiful thing. There was an opportunity in Beijing, actually, to go work with some basketball over there. Uh, and a guy called Daniel Crumback, who had come, come across sort of throughout the journey, and he was part of the, the um, interviewing and, and recruiting process. Uh, and essentially, there was a big drive to get, I think, Western coaches over into, into the sort of those, those uh, Eastern SNC programs. I think there had been a tendency to, because of their vast numbers of people, for example, in China, that SNC was probably underdone a little bit. Um, you know, they would just train and train and train and train and train. If anybody broke down, there were so many waiting in line that they would bring those in. But sort of around that time frame, there was a push to get some Western SNC coaches over to get involved. And I was fortunate enough to, get, to go through the process and, and get offered a position over there. Um, this was right at the end of 2018 when sort of all these things were happening. And, you know, at the time, I was like, you know, this is my opportunity. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's make it happen. You know, this is going to be, this could be pretty cool. But, from a family perspective, it wasn't great timing. We were just about to get married in only sort of two or three months' time. Um, and probably I just didn't have a solid enough, um, I don't know, set, set of evidence to suggest that it would be a great idea. I reached out to a lot of other SNC coaches that I'd met in, in my journey that had been over to China and heard really mixed reviews. Some of them really loved it. Some of them had some horror stories where, you know, that clashed with the head coach and maybe potentially didn't get paid what they needed to be or, you know, that were fired for no reason. So I was like, yeah, it's a big risk to head over there. You know, I, would, I was guessing that the work commitments would be pretty intense and I'd be bringing my partner, Jamie, over to a non-English speaking environment by herself, no family. I'd be out, out. So I thought, oh, is this really worth it? And that was when we decided to take that plunge and go, okay, let's, Let's open a private facility instead. There's sort of everything you know, pointing towards it, and you know, thank God that we made that decision. Now that we know what's happened over, you know, in in the course of the last three years, so essentially, yeah, just okay, we're going to make this decision. Let's just start. Let's just jump on real commercial and see what's out there. We found this 400 square meter warehouse, just nice empty shell. Um, I thought that was a, a nice sort of balance of, of giving ourselves some space and not, you know putting ourselves into too much debt that, that we, we, it was unachievable and we didn't really have an understanding. You know, we were just making it up from a business point of view, to be honest with you. We lent on, on my mother-in-law, who has a bit of managerial experience in, in recreation, but for the most part, you know, it was just dive in and go for it. So reached out to equipment companies and, and probably had a limited time to get it done because we thought that timing was of the essence. We thought particularly in this, um, you know, in this niche of an environment, if we didn't get open by January, would miss a big chunk of our market for pre-seasons, you know, good weather, New Year's resolutions. Um, so we pushed as hard as we could, worked all the way through Christmas and New Year's, didn't really sleep very much and, and managed to get open with a pretty, like now I look back at it, on a pretty empty facility on, uh, on January the 6th, 2019. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, the, the rest is, is history. And I know this is probably a story I've told to, to a few people, but one of the the first instances I really, really understood that I was a business owner and not just an SNC coach anymore was the first weekend we were open. I had back-to-back bookings. I was pumped up and ready to go. And so, you know what? I'm living the dream now. This is it. I've done it. You know, I've made it. We get through the first couple of sessions. Everything's going well. And one of those sessions was a, was a, a netball club. 
ran him through, you know, had the, the session perfectly sequenced out. I thought, you know, this is, this is brilliant. How good is this? We finished up. We're sitting down doing a bit of a cool down. The coach comes up to me and goes, where's Emily? And I, you know, and I was thinking in my head, who cares? You know, this is brilliant. Like, I don't, I don't know where Emily is but right now, but, mate, I'm on cloud nine. Realised a couple minutes later, Emily had gone to the bathroom and um, she was feeling a bit sick from some of the conditioning and, she, and she'd vomited but missed the toilet completely. She just spewed all over the floor. And it was at that point I realised I had no cleaning products. I was like, oh, my God, like, what have I done? So, you know, first weekend I've got clients backing up and I'm on hands and knees with paper towel and a fan. Just trying to clean spew off the ground. I was like, wow, this is uh, not how I envisaged it, but you know, <laughs> it gives you, uh, you know, it gives you a bit of perspective anyway. hundred uh, percent. Yeah, cleaning the gym. That's uh, <laughs> when you're paying rent, you don't have to worry about that. That's for absolutely, sure. absolutely, no, definitely. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, mate. And t- talk us through peak performance. Um, what happens in the center? What's a typical day for you? How hands-on are you now that it's been a, a couple of years, well, three years? Um, yeah. Open. Talk us through uh, for those that haven't been in the facility. Yeah. So now, really, really fortunate that we, we've had a, a pretty sort of uh, explosive growth over the last three years, um, despite sort of everything that's gone on. Uh, I think that, yeah, it's uh, probably the, the point of difference, uh, our niche a, a bit, and, and also just that community engagement has been able to help us through. But essentially, peak, um, you know, we're a 24 7 performance facility, we like to sort of call ourselves. Um, so our members, Get 24/7 access just via a key tag. Um, you know uh, all of the the S&C equipment that that you really need to sort of facilitate. Uh, you know those principles that we talk about that we manipulate and adapt. You know from all of the elite experience that we've had and, and make them appropriate to everybody's sort of circumstances. The levels of sort of engagement or, or membership that we have, we've sort of got our basic performance model where. You know, essentially, you've you've got your program, and you come in, you do it at your own time, at your own leisure, and go for it. And we do run a few because there is demand for it as well. A few generalized classes we call those, but still with the scope of a bit of periodization in it. So we've got like a, a strength class of which we run in ten week blocks. So the first three weeks will be a bit more voluminous. The next yeah. three weeks will be a bit more what we call sort of like a whether it's a strength accumulation or you know a strength integration where it might be a bit more pyramid based training where where we're teaching them to how to add load appropriately and then do a three-week block of max strength. Um, so that, you know, might be, you know, doing some four by threes or, you know, uh, you know, five by five, those sorts of things. Uh, and then we work into a, you know, a strength testing in week 10 where that could be one rep maxes, three RMs. We could do some force plate work. And then we sort of, you know, repeat the cycle every 10 weeks. We've got conditioning classes, same sort of thing, you know, endurance for the first three. We've got a bit more sort of, uh, fart like interval work the next three and then we've sort of got like a bit of a semi-basketball court area we we get out and do some you know change direction on there as well so try to integrate those you know general classes um into those for, for those who want it but generally most people come in and do their own you know, team builder programs the next step up is we do have our athletes academy as well so that's just another level of sort of individualization so we've got set times where we've got three coaches out on the floor um you warm up in a small group setting You've each got your own team, but a program that you're working through and you get coached in small groups, um, you know, similar to sort of what you would see in like an athlete's authority style um, setup. Uh, that's just sort of like one component. We've got our, our morning and arvo sessions from there. And then we do have you know, the opportunity to come and do one-on-one coaching if people are really hungry to get that little extra um, you know, level of care and love with them as well. So um, those are the sort of the three options that, that we roll through. 
um, we're actually sort of in the in the midst of of um, signing a, a lease for a bigger facility, which is exciting. We look, we sort of we sort of looked at you know what does expansion look like for us? We're, we're probably at a capacity at the moment. It gets really really chaotic there uh, in the Arvos, which is you know I love when you know that vibe is up and it's pumping, but we also don't want to make people feel too incom- too uncomfortable if it is you know, overwhelming as well. Not everybody yeah. loves you know the place to be booming. Um, so we sort of thought, you know, what does that look like for us? Is that multiple locations? Um, we think that that probably just spreads you thin a little bit too much and you lose your quality control. Um, you know, we want to make, still always have that facility where I can come in and, you know, say good out to the members and, and uh, interact with the community and, and sort of have a bit of a, an idea of what's going on with everybody. So at the moment we're in 400 squares. We're in the, in the process of negotiating 1,500. So it's going to be a big step up. But our goal and our vision is to sort of, you know, almost be running that um, American private, you know, facility. So it would be a full-size basketball court, potentially a bit of a, you know, a, a, a fake turf area, just a more extensive, you know, gym setup and those sorts of things too. So that's, that's probably, let's be honest, like 12 months away because it is going to be a brand new build uh, and things are being built quickly at the moment. Um, I know another part of your question there was you know, my involvement day-to-day. Certainly, it's been less and less coaching now and more and more development. I still do pop out and coach here and there. I might do you know, uh, a couple of sessions you know, every day or a couple of, every couple of days. Um, you know, I used to be back-to-back, you know, try to squeeze in eight to 10 hours of coaching per day, but um, now sort of bob in and out and, and make sure that we're developing those staff members. We've got 19 staff members on board now, which is exciting and hopefully providing pathways for coaches that you and me didn't have when we were coming through the ranks as well. Um, we do provide, uh, uh, you know, uh, at the moment, you know, we, we started with the classic subcontracting agreement for, you know, everybody that was on board just because we didn't have the resources. We've now progressed that up to, you know, casual employment for our staff uh, with the view to, to turn that into to permanent and full-time, um, you know, in the, in the next 12 months as well. So just taking those baby steps up to, to being financially viable and making sure that we, we nurture those great coaches coming through as well. That's fantastic, mate. I love hearing that. It sounds like a, a, a great space, uh, great both for coaches to develop, but also for, for athletes, like you said, that don't have that access to elite coaching um, and, and, and programming uh, and facility as well. They now do. So, um, yeah, that's, that's amazing. And no, no surprise why it's, it's, you've thrived in the last few years. Um, one, because the demand, but also two, because it, all that hard work that you've done and now the, People are coming out in groves to, to train with you and get involved. So that's awesome, mate. And um, in terms of the, the business side of things, who, who do you model off and how do you go about learning those side of things? Like obviously as a coach, we do our degrees, we, we learn off our mentors and then suddenly now you're running a facility. Uh, is that learning as you go? Is it listening to podcasts? Is it speaking to mentors that are doing, like you mentioned, Athletes Authority? Take us through for business owners. What's the best way to to learn that side, do you think? Yeah, admittedly, it's probably a blend of all those things. Certainly at the start, it was just making it up, to be honest with you. Um, as I said, I was fortunate enough. So uh, my mother-in-law, she um, worked uh, as a manager at a swimming recreational facility for 20 years. So there were certainly aspects of that that she that we really lent on her to sort of assist us with. But for the most part, you know, running a gym, we didn't really know anybody at the time that was, that was doing it, to be honest. Um, just a, a great network of, of people in different professions. You know, one of, one of my 
Sample Athletes' dad was involved in IT, so I reached out to him and he set up our back-end systems and our surveillance systems to allow us to be able to, to, to be 24-7 as well. So you know, he's been incredible and still is involved in, in the business to, to this day. We had, um, you know, we talked about Adrian Setri and Brett Johns before. Adrian Setri, as well as being a Port Adelaide superstar, he runs a, a painting business. So, you know, he, he organised painting the walls for us. Um, uh, another guy, you know, pretty much if you are involved in a footy club, there's, there's a good chance you'll know every single trade or, you know, you know every single something. You know, you, you'll, you'll find a, a connection somewhere to assist. But, you know, from then, as we started to become a little bit more established and found a bit more balanced and had the opportunity, definitely was listening to, to podcasts and, and, you know, some, some of those real um, strong sort of business leaders. Uh, probably, you know, some of the, the cream on the top now. So admittedly, you know, I probably hadn't modelled too much off of Athletes Authority until we went over recently and um, went to the Play Lab um, in, in Sydney uh, uh, a couple of months back now. And I really, really like their rehab model. I think you know, I'm really confident in what we provide from a performance point of view, but um, what they showed us and what they're doing in their integrative approach. You know, traditionally and probably admittedly what we had fallen into the trap of doing is that, you know, if the physio will have an athlete come to them, physio will work with them to a certain extent and then get to a point they just hand it over and then we, we go for it from there. And there's, there, there wasn't too much of that sort of integrated approach. So over the last six weeks, we've been um, – We've sort of elicited the, the help of a guy called Nick Richardson as well, who worked at a sports injury rehab clinic in Ireland, uh, and uh, sort of using both of those models to develop what we think will be best case scenario in South Australia. And even as recently as today, I've been catching up with you know external sources to talk about referral pathways too. And I think watch your space um, in the in the rehab model for South Australia. You'll see a very you know I'm, I'm happy to say you know very similar. Um, Outlook as to what athletes' authority have, but just adapted appropriately to suit our market a little bit, our market a little bit more as well. So, you know, at certain stages, definitely always try to be, you know, whether it's been as an SNC coach or as a, as a business person, always be a big funnel. You know, take in everything, absorb as much as you can, and then you know your end product at the end is what you feel like you need to filter out and and what you think is appropriate at the time. Um, just because you know, there's there's there are many ways of doing it. There's no one way to go about it. If anybody tells you that there's one way to go about business or one way to go about SNC programming, it's time to run away as quickly as possible. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. The funnel, it's a, it's a good way to, to approach it because we're, we're all on our own path and you just take bits and pieces from different people along the way. And I think that was also a good thing to note is um, be honest with yourself and whether it be business or coaching about your chinks in your armor and working on those areas, whether you call them weaknesses or whatever, but noticing, okay, that's an area I need to work on or uh, whether it be finance, marketing, programming, rehab, whatever it is. So um, that's awesome, mate. We'll we'll get into the lighter side of the podcast now, the the get to know Sean Baker. Um, Absolutely. Here we go. This will be a bit of fun. Which, Which movie or TV series has impacted you to the most and why? Oh, that's a well, that's a tough one, mate. I'm a real documentary, like a Netflix documentary sort of operator, you know, classic, like, you know, Last Dance and all those sorts of things, I think, are, are, are classics. But yeah, what, which has had the most impact? You're going to challenge me here, I reckon. Oh, now look, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure on which has had impact, to be honest with you. Probably a lot of stuff that I do watch is is very drastically different to anything that I do in, in real life. So potentially, you know, that's the, 
the the switch off. You know, you could say the last dance for you know inspiration and those sorts of things. So I watch it, and you know, this is probably sounds uh, a bit uh, sinister, but, you know, like you know, murder docos and all that sort of stuff. I'm sure yeah. we're probably good with watching them. So I can't. I would like to say that none of those have actually had any impact on my life. To be honest with you, so, <laughs> I'm going to let you down there, mate. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't really probably no, no, one that I can nail down, but yeah, definitely a a documentary, real life. You know, Louis Thoreau, love his work. Um, just real life stuff that makes me think, Jesus, I live a very sheltered life. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's a hey, Netflix has got heaps of them, isn't it? Like you can just <laughs> get down a rabbit hole of uh, some people doing some crazy things. Um, <laughs> what about favorite inspirational quote and life motto? Uh, look. I like to. Uh, well, I've actually got this um, tattooed on my chest. I got a tattoo on my chest a long time ago. Uh, pain is temporary, glory is forever. I think a lot of transfer to um, that. Whether you know, you take that in its literal term or you know metaphorical. You know, there's been many circumstances that we've talked about, even in today's podcast, where there's been a short term instance that's provided a bit of pain, but everything happens for a reason, or you know, everything has its purpose. And I think if you stick to the process and and you know, don't give up on, on whatever it is you're chasing. You know, if, if I'd given up in those two circumstances where I'd been told that, you know, that the soft caps are up and we can't be doing it anymore, then, you know, we wouldn't have a business or, you know, wouldn't be pursuing these, you know, pretty exciting um, contracts that we've got coming up as well from, that, from a pro point of view. So, yeah, I think that's the biggest one that we, that we buy by for sure. What about pet peeves in your work life? What, what makes you angry? I think people that constantly go on about how busy they are, you know, I think, I think like to an extent, mate, you, you are a business owner, you're an S&C coach and you're a dad. You know, I'd never hear Jack say, oh, man, I'm so busy. I'm, I'm so tired. I'm so busy. You, know, you just get shit done. You're sitting here on a Friday night, uh, you know, podcasting and, and making it happen, you know. You've probably got bubs tucked up in bed. And, um, yeah, I do meet a lot of people or hear a lot of people that I don't necessarily think uh, you know, stupidly busy. And look, they might be, but you know, it can be a bit of a, you know a a mindset at the end of the day as well. You know, we've all got the same amount of time. I know it's a bit of a cliche. Everybody says like Oprah has the same amount of time as you, but you just don't don't be so busy telling everybody how busy you are, mate. Like it's not, and you know, if like it's not it's not a cool it's not a cool thing. Like I don't think you're a, a wonderful person because you're super busy. Don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah, no, I reckon that resonates with me, mate. I reckon I'm going to put that in the pet peeve toolbox. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just get on with it, and uh, no one wants to hear that you're busy. That's good. Perfect. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, in a COVID-free world, which we're pretty much in now, or a new norm anyway, what's your favourite way to spend your day off? Uh, look, I feel like most of our days are, you know. Uh, in some sort of context, like socialising, you know, being out on the floor and coaching and, you know, being very vibrant up and about. So actually, I really thoroughly enjoy on days off, just very quiet, either bumming around home or we're pretty close to the beach down here, which is nice. So just going and jumping in the water. I'm a terrible swimmer, but just, you know, just splashing around to keep myself afloat somehow. I'm a little bit dense, but, um, but yeah, no, very, very low-key, uh, spending time with my two girls, my, my wife and, and my little uh, two-year-old daughter. And yeah, just um, just keeping it low key and not uh, being having a little time where I'm not like up and about, <laughs> recharging. Absolutely, recharging batteries, and then when it's on the gym floor, it's go time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what about uh, favorite holiday destination worldwide? 
Ooh, we have been fortunate enough to, to do a bit of travel before everything kicked off. Um, really loved it. I was close to home. Really loved Queenstown in New Zealand. That was a beautiful place. And that's actually where I proposed to my now wife, Jamie. Very picturesque and, and lots of cool things to do. You know, we went um, skydiving and horse riding and jet boating, all those sorts of things that you, you do while you're in Queenstown. Um, only thing I didn't do was bungee jump because I thought, you know, if I jump out of a plane with a dude strapped to my back who wants to keep himself alive, like I feel like that's a bit safer than jumping off a bridge with a rope. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I love that. But also, like tradition, we've been to America and New York was pretty cool too and I watched uh, the Knicks versus the Trailblazers at Madison Square Garden. So, you know, that was a pretty crazy uh, atmosphere and, and pretty iconic as well. So that, that'd be top two. But awesome, mate. Great experiences. Um, well, we're at the pointy end of the podcast. Thank you so much for jumping on and, and sharing with us your journey, mate. And it's only the very start. There's some huge things that you've talked about uh, that are really exciting that are, that are coming up. And for anyone listening to the podcast, coach uh, or athlete, what's the best way to get in contact with you, mate? Yeah, look, I still answer all of our uh, Instagram, Facebook and, and emails. That's, that's something I still haven't let go of yet. I still sort of get into that. So, it's PEAQ Performance, Peak Performance on Instagram or just PEAQ on Facebook. And I want to get it out there. It's not that I'm dyslexic. It is a little acronym for Personalized Evidence-Based Applied and Qualified uh, Condition Coaching. So, uh, yeah, let, feel free to you know, do that or, or feel free to email me at info at peak.com.au. We'll add those all in the show notes for those listening. Uh, and what's on the horizon for you, mate, for, for this year anyway? What are some big things that, that get you pumped? Yeah, so I think for the time being, I'm pretty laser-focused on heading to the States in July. Really excited for that. And I think there's a lot that probably rides on that. If we can get a good performance in, um, particularly in the, you know, in, the, in the World Games point of view in that 6v6 competition, you know, if potentially we get a medal placing, I think that sends a strong message to um, you know, the, the Institute of Sport. And, and if you are considered to be a medal contender, um, that's generally where when funding will come. You know, being a medal contender can be the difference between money or no money, essentially. So, really trying to do everything that we can to to be beneficial to that program and make sure that we leave no stone unturned. And you know, hopefully, um, you know, the the guys and girls both have a real red hot crack at it. Um, continuing to sort of solidify the 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 work in the background um, in regards to the new facility. Really looking forward to being able to officially announce that, but just you know, making sure that all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed before it kicks off. Um, and then, yeah, sort of see there's, there's probably there's one or two other things that we, we can't talk about just yet, but, you know, um, keep your eyes peeled because it, it's exciting and we're really, uh, you know, grateful for the, for the support of everybody to, to elicit this growth. Awesome, mate. Uh, yeah, plenty happening and a, a bigger space as well. So um, it's awesome, mate. All your, all your hard work's paying off and um, I'll definitely be down there whenever I'm in Adelaide. Uh, next uh, to check out the either the current space or the new space. Um, but yeah, thanks again for your time. Thanks again for sharing um, what, you know, what's worked for you, your learnings, uh, mentors you've had along the way and all the different experiences across the strength and conditioning industry, whether it be lacrosse, cricket and uh, state league and, and professional football uh, and now also opening a space. So you've done it all, mate. And, and thanks for, for sharing all your wisdom with us, mate. Thanks for the opportunity, mate, and keep doing uh, wonderful things in this industry. I'm looking forward to having you down and uh, make sure you bring bubs as well. We'll just get them running around the basketball court or uh, or organise a babysitter and we'll pump some iron. Yes, sounds good. (laughs) Absolutely. And thank you for everyone that's tuned in. If if you tuned in late, uh, make sure you listen to the very start. 
Uh, Sean, you know, provide gems all the way through. So you can watch that on our YouTube. We're also going to release in our podcasts, which you can find on all your podcast directories next Tuesday. So that'll be the 12th of April uh, for those listening in on YouTube. For our next Prepare Like a Pro live chat show, we've got Ben Stanley, the founder of Enhanced Football. You can tune in. That'll be on the 15th of April next Friday at the same time, 8.30 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. I'll see you guys then. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and want even more, our academy is for you. The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content, such as a Q&A segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, head sports dietitian of Collingwood Football Club. What are things that, that fire you up? Oh, this one is always, uh, I suppose it is, um, it'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane. And I yep. often find that with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be. And then game changes, yeah, game changes whatever that might be. And look, it probably keeps me in a job, but that it does drive me insane because yeah. sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes and, you know, and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary, it unravels everything that I've been working with an athlete for. Yeah. Yeah. Another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. Here's an example with academy member Rama Davies, the friendly conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks. Welcome Rama to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us. Awesome. So he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So I'll handle it over to you, Rama, to, to ask you a question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And yeah, thanks, um, thanks, Sam, for the chat. It was, uh, I found it to be really insightful, plenty of gems in there, um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, mate, my, my question to you was, you spoke quite a bit about um, perspective during that chat, um, and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or um, do physically that um, you wish you either knew or did uh, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, what are some of those things? Mm, yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it yeah, certainly yeah has been massive for me now and, and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose one thing I might mention is, is gratitude. I spend a lot of my mm. time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts, doing a, a journal every day just a bit to say what I'm grateful for, sort of three things. And um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to, yeah, like reset and, and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about, you know, that there is more to life than football or, you know, might be whatever as an SNC coach, you know, if something's you having a hard time, um, it can be massive with just yeah opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that in that work bubble. Um, yeah. So that's that's been huge. Um, I think 
I wish back then when I was younger, I asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things. Mm. I think I was a bit single-minded back then and, um, you know, I thought there was one way of doing things and um, if I kind of didn't have that fear of, you know, asking a silly question or fear of judgment, it would have got me a lot further and I probably would have learned a lot quicker. Um, and, yeah. and yeah, like just, yeah, being open to sort of different things because um, you never know what you might find. It's just, yeah, there's so many people, like great people out there, knowledgeable people to learn off. And there's plenty more where that came from. If you would like to learn more, then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes. Thank you for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. If you like this episode, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review, or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest. If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.